like a monkey ready to be shot into space. Space monkey. Ready to sacrifice himself for the greater good. In a world where there were no trades, trades finally began to happen. It was Hugwatch 2015, The Hugging. Welcome, everybody, to Wadcast, the official podcast for Monkey with a Halo. This is the uh, Moment with a Monkey version of the Wadcast, which means that it is I, the Monkey, here to talk Hugwatch with you. Uh, there were trades today. Yippee! Uh, they didn't involve the angels, but trades are happening. That means people might actually make more trades now. We're about a week away from the trade deadline, and dominoes are finally starting to fall after so much time. This might have been the latest the trade market has quote-unquote opened for business. It's absurd that it took this long, and frankly, it's absurd that the first trade uh, would be between two AL West rivals, which is frustrating because I was just excited for there to be a trade. Uh, but then to have it be two teams within the division in kind of a win-win deal, uh, <laughs> it really uh, put a damper on the excitement. Um, and I've said this elsewhere, but I actually think the trade is good for the Angels because you have to consider the circumstances. Everyone talks about how, oh no, the Astros got better. But, but you have to consider what was going to happen, what was inevitable. The Astros getting better was inevitable. They have one of the richest farm systems in baseball. There was never any question that they were going to make a trade to acquire starting pitching. I know everyone's used to the Astros not winning, but they're in prime position now. They're one of the, the, the top teams in the American League. They weren't just going to sit back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sports Illustrated said we're not winning the World Series until 2017. So we're going to pump the brakes here and not trade at the deadline. Of course they were going to trade. They were going to address their rotation. Knowing that, it's a question of how they were going to address the rotation. Again, they've got one of the richest farm systems in all of baseball. They could have had just about anybody if they really wanted to. They could have had legit aces like Cole Hamels, Johnny Cueto. Uh, they could have even gotten somebody a little more established um, uh, who's not quite an ace, but they could have gotten people from the Padres like James Shields, who is probably overrated, but you know he's a guy who'd help them. And none of those guys... Hold a candle to how bad Scott Casimir can be. Uh, and, and I don't mean that he's bad. That, I, that came out wrong. Scott Casimir is a good pitcher. He is not a great pitcher. He's fringy all-star pitcher. Um, and he's a guy who kind of goes in the tank from time to time. In fact, he, he was just awful for Oakland down the stretch last year, which probably had nothing to do with the pressure or anything. I mean, maybe it does. Who knows? Everybody's a little different with how they handle that pressure. But, you know, he is a high-maintenance pitcher. Uh, Angels fans know that all too well. Um, 
So yeah, he's going to go to Houston. He'll have the familiarity of the division, so it's not going to be a big deal for him. But, you know, he's in playoff pressure now. He's not pitching in a gargantuan stadium uh, like he was in Oakland. So, you know, that's a change, too. And, you know, let, let's not... If you look at what Casimir's gone through this year, there's been two or three incidents this year alone where he walked off the mound with an arm problem, and everybody said, oh, you know, they thought his elbow was toast, they thought his shoulder was toast. So, all things considered, with who the Astros could have gotten, they didn't get an ace, they didn't get a workhorse, they got a pretty good pitcher who has some arm problems. This year, recent arm problems. They may or may not come up, but they are taking a known risk. Now, on the flip side, the Astros didn't give up that much. Their farm system is still locked and loaded. They didn't gut things. They really didn't give up anything close to a blue chipper in this trade. So they theoretically could go out and get another bat. Or not bat, arm, excuse me. I'm so used to talking about needing bats because, you know, angels. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, they could go out and get somebody else. I doubt they will, and if they do, it's not going to be Cole Hamels or Johnny Cueto. They might go get a lesser guy, maybe a Mike Leake. But um, I, you got to think that they'll stand pretty pat. They're, they're not uh, going to completely mortgage the future for this one attempt. They know they've got a long runway out in front of them. Um, on the flip side, they didn't give up much, which means Oakland didn't get much. This is supposed to be a seller's market, and Oakland was the first seller. And they set the bar kind of low. I mean, they got three prospects, which is good, but none of them are special. None of them are really anything to write home about. I mean, the most notable thing about them is their names. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's Jacob Nottingham and Daniel Mengden. So I guess there's two. I think initially they reported they were two, there's only two names. Um, but those guys, <laughs> those sound like the names, uh, like the effectively wild guys and the Suspicious Barbecue guys make up on their podcasts. You know, they, they pull out of their butts to sound funny. You know, Jacob Nottingham. Um, so yeah, that that's the most notable thing about them. So I guess you can say, yeah, all right, two teams in the division got better, but did they really? The Astros got better over where they were yesterday, but not better over where they could have gotten that they're projected to get better to. So um, I think that's a good thing, and that bodes well for the Angels, because uh, at some point they're going to cool off. Uh, they finally lost tonight, you know, their first loss of the uh, quote-unquote second half, uh, not really a half. Um, and now it's their turn to make a trade. I, I don't think this is the kind of situation where um, you know, somebody says, well, the guys we're competing with, they made a trade. Let's throw our dick on the table and make a trade, too. Show them who's who, who's a real man. Um, partly because Artie Moreno doesn't talk like Yosemite Sam. Um, although I actually wouldn't put it beyond him uh, to suddenly uh, get on Clintac and Stoneman to pull off a deal, just because I know he's been wanting a deal for some time. Uh, but they're going to make a deal. They're not going to rush things. They've got a week left. There's no way humanly possible that uh, Matt Joyce and Dan Robertson 
are going to be the primary left fielders come August 1st. They've got to do something. Maybe that means they go all out for Carlos Gonzalez. Please no. Or Jay Bruce. Okay, maybe. But I have a, a feeling probably they'll sort of chicken out and go with uh, a lesser guy like Ben Revere or maybe Will Venable. Somebody who will give them good defense and maybe help out offensively. Uh, somebody who's got at least a something of a higher floor than what guys like Robertson and Cowgill have. But also guys who next year, if you have to slot them into a reserve role, they ain't going to cry about it uh, because they're used to it. So I think that could be what they do. I wouldn't even be surprised if they add a second bat sort of along that same variety. The, the popular one out there right now, which I actually really like, is the Juan Uribe idea because, well, now Freeze is hurt. Um, so they're going to need about three weeks of fill-in duty. And yeah, they could hand it over to Kyle Kabitza, who didn't look great his first go-around, but most rookies don't. Uh, but is he ready now? Can he produce during these three weeks? Is that a chance the Angels really want to take when you've got this close of a divisional race? I don't know. You go with Uribe. He's definitely a better defender than anybody the Angels have at third base. He's probably a better hitter than Freeze and Kabitza. Uh, he's certainly not going to be much worse. Uh, so it, it seems like a flyer worth taking, even though he might be a little bit of a uh, kind of guy who grouses in the clubhouse. Uh, him being on the bench after Freeze comes back could be a problem, but it also might not be. They could really actually try and cover their butts a little bit by having Uribe. Uh, I know everybody loves Johnny Giavatella, um, and he's been hitting well lately and sort of brought some semblance of stability to the leadoff spot, but uh, he's a terrible defender. His on-base percentage is pretty much the only thing he has to offer, and it's not much of an offer. There's no power. He's not speedy. So he doesn't really need to have started 88 of the Angels games so far. It's kind of an indictment on DePoto, frankly, um, that he didn't even have a better option on the active roster to swap him out in and out with. I mean, Lord knows he tried with Josh Rutledge um, and some of the other guys he brought in. I mean, Giavatella wasn't even plan A or plan B. He was like plan D. Uh, so I guess kudos to him for having plan D kind of work out. But Giavatella is basically a replacement level player. And the thing about replacement level players, you should probably try and replace them. And Juan Uribe can do that. He hasn't played second base full time uh, in a long time. But, you know, when Freeze comes back, slide Uribe to second base, at least part time. Just because I do think, um, from a chemistry standpoint, there is a little something to having Johnny G out there. Uh, David Freeze does not need to play every day. He doesn't hit righties all that well. He's not a great fielder. You can certainly slot your eBay in there at the least as a defensive replacement. But uh, I don't see why you can't just have your eBay two starts at third each week, two starts at second, maybe two starts at DH. I know CJ Crone has been hitting well lately, but he's not going to hit well every day. That's just not going to happen. Um, I just don't believe in him yet. I'm sorry. Uh, he, he was 
horrendous the first two to three months of the season. And he goes down to the minors for a couple weeks and even comes up and says he didn't change anything. So he's basically magic. That's his solution to breaking out of a slump. So, um, yeah, I've got no problem with the Uribe thing. And frankly, if he wants to while away on the Braves just because he gets to play every day, why? Why wouldn't you want to go to a contender and play almost every day? Maybe you don't get to stay at one position, but you get to play almost every day, and you actually could win the whole darn thing. So, yeah, hug watch is in full effect for the Angels. Uh, <laughs> it's becoming uh, like a stalker kind of situation now with all the reporters tweeting about which scouts they're seeing where. You know, the Blue Jays have been scouting the Angels heavily. There's all sorts of scouts at uh, Inland Empire uh, game tonight, watching Sean Newcomb, and uh, just talk everywhere, who could go where, who's watching who, there's so much smoke around the Angels right now, something's got to happen, and uh, I hope it happens soon, they, I, they still need it to happen soon, I, they don't need to be fooled by being super awesome for three or four weeks. Because uh, they weren't super awesome for all the weeks before that. And there's huge recency bias with this trade stuff. If I had told you a month ago, yeah, Angels are going to stand pat, they're not going to make a single deal at the deadline. Come on. You would have laughed at my face. Or you, or you would have thought that they tanked and became sellers. Because this team needs a trade. Matt Joyce is... A full-fledged disaster. Yeah, a lot of these guys, when they had those early season struggles, it was always party line is, they'll snap out of it, they'll snap out of it. And I believed it. Eric Ibar, one of the most consistent players the Angels have. He will snap out of it. He did snap out of it. Chris Iannetta, horribly streaky player. So him having a horrible streak like that, even as long as it was, wasn't entirely a surprise. Just like it's not entirely a surprise that he's crushing the ball right now, and his numbers are starting to look pretty respectable. Hopefully not too respectable by the end of the season so the Angels can re-sign him. I mean, yeah, that's that's where they are now, that he's playing well enough that they should re-sign him. Joyce? Mm, not so much with that. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, he's not good. He's broken. He is a lost man, and they can't possibly continue to go with him. It's really even to the point that if by some confluence of circumstances they don't make a trade, they really should probably just go with Dan Robertson every day. Dan Robertson can't hit for shit, but at least he can field. Joyce is a below-average fielder and can't hit for shit right now either. At least Robertson kind of, sort of, gets on base a little bit. Joyce's average is so low that he can't. He's still walking, but he just... Hey, here's an idea. Let me roll over on one and hit it right into the shift. That is the Matt Joyce solution right now. And it's reaching a point of it being embarrassing. There, he, I don't even think he's going to be on the roster come August 1st. They'll acquire one bat and somebody's going to have to go. And frankly, I don't think they're going to demote bat Dan, uh, excuse me, Dan Robertson. What's the point of keeping Joyce around? You, know, you saw how quickly they cut bait on Raul Ibanez last year. The only reason they haven't cut bait on Joyce so far is they have no other options. 
Is he going to go with Efren Navarro every day? I don't think so. Colin Cowgill? Maybe if he was healthy, they could consider it. But he's far from healthy. He keeps having setbacks with his wrist. And frankly, wasn't all that good before he got hurt. Last year was kind of a fluke. And maybe he won't be as bad as he was to start the year. But he's not good. I mean, I looked at the numbers the other day. They're getting a 66 WRC plus out of their left fielders. Literally anybody will be an improvement. I don't like Ben Revere. Ben Revere is a guy whose value is completely tied into his batting average because he doesn't walk. He's a decent fielder, or should be a really good fielder, actually, in left field. He's more of a center fielder. If he move to left, he should be actually quite good. If he gets on base, he can steal bases. But his on-base percentage has never been that high because he doesn't walk. But because he's so fast and he gets so many grounders, he usually has a good average, and that average buoys his on-base percentage to average to above-average levels, um, which basically means he's BABIP-dependent. So if he catches a bad BABIP-luck streak, he's worthless. And if he acts as a good one, he's still not worth all that much. But he's worth more than what the Angels have now. It is impossible to continue to be this bad. Any other person who's a major leaguer put into left field will be better than what they're getting from Matt Joyce and Dan Roberts. If they can't make a trade for that, I don't know. Ben Stoneman really is the most inactive GM of all time. Of course, everything we're seeing, everything we're seeing, it's Matt Clintech. In all the stories from Angels.com, LA Times, OC Register, it's Clintac. Clintac is the one giving the quotes. Stoneman ain't saying a thing. In the rare event that he does, it's usually him delivering the cliches, but it's Clintac who's giving the actual information. He's the one doing the trades. He's making. He's laying the groundwork. Stoneman's probably just sitting in an office, scribbling on a piece of paper, waiting for Clintac to update him every couple hours and then give a thumbs up or thumbs down. While <laughs> probably fielding uh, calls from Marty Moreno asking him what's going on. I mean, at, at this point, that's probably what Stoneman is. He's the go-between. Um, <laughs> which is ironic, since the go-between between the front office and the manager was what apparently caused the problem with the photo. Anyway, I digress. Things are heating up. The Angels know they need to make a deal. And it's actually quite encouraging that they know they probably need to make several deals. They're trying to address their depth problem. They're trying to address the bullpen. They are considering multiple bats. So Hugwatch, Hugwatch, is in full effect. And I, for one, am very excited to watch Hugwatch. That's it for this week. Well, maybe not this week if there's another trade uh, by the Angels, actually, which would be nice. Then I'll probably hop back on. But that's it for now. Um, again, subscribe to Moadcast on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your dogs. Um, listen to the podcast, and uh, that's it, everybody. The moment is over. Brother? I'm Paul. You must be Tommy. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. <laughs>